A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has united Europe. Most EU politicians agree that Ukraine should be given military aid and that Russia should be sanctioned. Among the small number of MEPs opposed to either measure are two of our own, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace. Why? Let's let Claire Daly explain in her own words. History has taught us that sanctions do not end military conflict. They do not bring peace. They make the people suffer, not the oligarchs, the people, the people of Russia, the people of Europe. And they're not going to help save lives because the more arms you pump into Ukraine, the more the war will be prolonged, the more Ukrainians can, will die. And it might sound radical, colleagues, but the answer to war is not more war, it's peace. There will be a negotiated peace and this organisation should be promoting it earlier rather than delaying it and making sure that more Ukrainians die. Your feigning of sympathy rings hollow. It makes me sick, to be honest with you. Claire and Mick have been consistent. As TDs, they were critics of NATO and the United States and opponents of the use of Shannon Airport by US military. As MEPs, they have a much bigger platform and around the world, governments in places like Russia, China and Iran have been paying close attention. Europe correspondent Naomi O'Leary has investigated how authoritarian regimes around the world use the words of Claire Daly and Mick Wallace to paint a picture of a divided, hypocritical West. Naomi, what are we listening to here? What we see here is a channel called Channel One. It's Russian state television. And this clip is a kind of a panel show format. Um, the presenter introduces the clip of Claire Daly speaking with a, a Russian voiceover. She's introduced by the presenters. Um, let's see what the representative of Ireland said, because um, there's insight coming to the West at the political level. And then the presenter asks a guest who, uh, who's called Nikita Danyuk. He comes from a strategic uh, studies institute to comment on the significance of the clip. And Danyuk says that this speech of Daly and another, some words by an Italian MEP, show that politicians in the West are rejecting lies about Russia and that they can no longer be silent and they don't want to take part in what he calls an information campaign that demonizes Russia. And he also mentioned specifically events in Bucha, uh, where there's evidence of atrocities against civilians by Russian soldiers. Uh, so Daniel suggests that these kind of statements by Western politicians are rejecting the idea that Russia is to blame for this massacre. 
As members of the European Parliament, can you maybe sum up their position on what the EU's response should be to Russia's invasion of Ukraine? So one of the things that sort of set them apart in the European Parliament was that they were one of only 13 members to vote against a resolution which condemned the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Since then, their emphasis in speeches and addresses in the European Parliament has stood out in terms of its emphasis on the criticism of the Western response. It's quite useful to see this in a broader context. Uh, So since becoming an MEP, Mick Wallace has submitted uh, various amendments to European Parliament proceedings about Ukraine. And they have been very much in line with the point of view of Moscow. So he's, he's put in amendments trying to delete commitments to greater cooperation with Kiev, trying to water down statements which refer to Russian military role in the downing of um, NH-17 passenger flight, and also emphasising far-right political currents in Ukraine, which is part, a key part of the justification of the Russian invasion uh, from Moscow's point of view. And you can also, I think what's really important to pay attention to is the increasingly close relationship that they've had with a particular MEP, uh, Tatiana Zhdanaka. Zhdanaka is somebody who um, opposed Latvia's independence from the Soviet Union. She represents a small hardline minority within Latvia's ethnic Russian population. And her views would be seen as very much um, in line with those of the Kremlin. Um, So she'd appear from her actions to be quite sympathetic to the annexation of Crimea, for example, by Russia. And eight days before the invasion, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace posed for photographs with Zdanaka in the European Parliament, and the three of them all wore matching T-shirts that said, uh, stop killing Donbass children. And, and the meaning of that phrase in context is that it's a characterization of the ongoing conflict in Ukraine's east, uh, where Russia had already invaded and taken parts um, since 2014, and it characterizes Ukrainian forces as being responsible for killing children. And that is part of Russia's justification for its invasion as well. Now, I think it's fair to say that in this country, we don't pay all that much heed to the views of MEPs from other countries. In fact, it could be argued that we don't pay that much attention to the views of MEPs from this country. But is their position, the position of Claire Daly and Mick Wallace as members of the European Parliament, viewed differently in Russia? And if so, why would that be the case? So statements by Westerners, particularly prominent Westerners, that are in line with the views of authoritarian regimes are really, really valuable for those regimes in an internal domestic propaganda sense. Um, so there's, there's, the reason is that you can take those statements and you can show them to your own people and you can say, look, here's evidence that even in the West, they agree, they agree with us. Even Western politicians back us up here. Um, and you can use it to show, oh, well, there's division in the West. The West is weak. They're not unified uh, in their position. Or, you know, the more useful one is perhaps just back up in whatever the regime point of view is. And it carries a lot of weight in authoritarian societies to have someone who has a title like member of the European Parliament to be giving views like that, because there's a difference in terms of how people reach prominent positions in society. In an authoritarian society where conformity is enforced, it's very, very difficult for minority fringe views that don't have a lot of support 
um, people who are representing, you know, a, a minority or a fringe, it's very hard for them to reach positions of prominence. Uh, so if you have someone who's got a, a weighty title, an important title, um, you know, whether that's a politician or someone in civil society, but certainly someone like an MEP, to a, a, an audience in, a, in an authoritarian society, that person is assumed to be speaking with authority, to be representing a mainstream, broadly held view, to be a powerful person. They don't necessarily have the same context that there can be MEPs who represent a minority or they can be MEPs that are unusual. Um, they seem to, they carry a lot more weight with, um, with audiences where society works a bit differently. What about um, other countries? Because it's obviously not just Russian media, which has paid attention to what Mick Wallace and Claire Daly have been saying. And there are other authoritarian regimes out there too, places like Syria, Iran, and most notably China. You've been tracking how their position has been presented and received in countries such as China, Iraq, Iran and Syria uh, for almost a year. What have you found out? So I tracked the media impact of Mick Wallace and Claire Daly by setting up an alert for their names when used in the Russian, Chinese or Arabic languages. I did this roughly a year ago and then just studied the hits as they came through so I could see what was having an impact. And it was really interesting because obviously they pick up on different aspects of the two MEPs activities. And what was really striking was like the really significant size of their media impact. Um, so I measured in a different way. I used a database called LexisNexis to just measure the number of times their names were used in media that's picked up by LexisNexis um, from a period from January 1st, 2021. And I compared it to other prominent Irish figures. And I found that Claire Daly and Mick Wallace had this massively outsized media presence compared to even like famous Irish people like Conor McGregor. Uh, so they have, you know, kind of an outsized impact that doesn't reflect their prominence in Ireland, if you know what I mean. It's particularly noticeable for China, but their speeches are also very popular internationally. Um, you see them uh, used in, you know, dubbed over in Arabic, uh, used throughout media systems where there's an emphasis on criticizing the Western response, the, re the Western position, particularly in regards to Ukraine. Um, and that's a key battleground at the moment where you have Chinese state media and Russian state media publishing in languages like Arabic. It's a kind of a battle of influence for the broader world. Um, and the whole context to this is like the United Nations. You had a lot of African countries that abstained um, in various resolutions regarding Russia and the invasion of Ukraine. So there's a, there's a real battle for influence and whose argument can, you know, um, can prevail regarding the interpretation of, of the conflict. Now, we don't obviously see much or indeed any Chinese television in this part of the world, but you sent our podcast team some videos that show Mick Wallace and Claire Daly speaking in the European Parliament. But of course, the narrative here is that the only choices are that we either keep sucking up to US power as it faces off against China and Russia, or we cut the apron springs, dump billions of euros into military budgets and go it alone with an EU army. Of course, both of these choices 
are nonsense. Would you not agree that US efforts to drive a wedge between the EU and Russia and China is not just an effort to isolate uh, Russia and China, but an, an effort to make the EU more dependent on the US? In these videos, uh, Mick and Claire are surrounded by Chinese subtitles, which I can't read. Could you describe what message Chinese people are getting when Mick Wallace or Claire Daly appear on their television screens? I mean, this was described uh, to me by Chen Weiwa, who's the bureau chief of China Daily in in Brussels. And he said, you know, um, Mick Wallace in particular is saying stuff that a lot of Chinese people believe. He described his statements as being very much you know, in line with the the point of view of certainly the Chinese government. So what you would typically see played in these clips is criticism of sanctions. Sanctions aren't legal, uh, that kind of position, sanctions shouldn't be used. Um, also, um, characterization of China as harmless and not an international aggressor. So statements like China isn't a threat to peace, that it's Washington that's the global threat, that Washington's responsible for bombing everybody, um, that the West is hypocritical in its responses. Um, also, other statements like um, the EU should break its alliance with Washington, it shouldn't align with Washington, and it should be friends with China. Um, and also statements about Taiwan are particularly popular. So, for example, Mick Wallace tweeted that uh, the words uh, Taiwan is part of China, and that went viral in China. In your piece in the Irish Times at the weekend, you said that Mick Wallace even has a nickname in China. He's known as the Golden Lion King. Yeah. Who is the Golden Lion King? And is there any significance to that nickname? Yeah. So the first significance is that he has a nickname. Um, So someone getting a nickname in uh, Chinese language social media circles, um, that reflects familiarity. It means that he's a person who's popping up again and again. It can also signify affection as well. Uh, Western figures often get such nicknames because when Western names are translated into the Chinese script, they can be difficult to say or difficult to remember. Uh, So it's pretty common for athletes and people like that to get nicknames like that. Um, The significance of this particular nickname is, um, so it's Zi Zun, um, and it's a character from a martial arts novel series and a television adaptation which is called The Heavenly Sword and Dragon Saber. And this particular character has wild hair, so that's one of the references, uh, but it's also his role in the plot. So he's a sort of older, like, godfather slash stepfather type figure. He appears at, like, key moments in the plot to come to the fierce defence of um, of the protagonist, of the younger son. Um, and so you could see this metaphorically in this situation as, you know, Mick Wallace keeps appearing and coming to the fierce defence of China. China's the protagonist in this situation. And that's how it was described by um, a news outlet called Sina, which reported that netizens had given Mick Wallace this nickname and said it was because he'd come to the defence of China many times. The fact of the matter is... China has shown incredible restraint and patience in response to the fake hysteria and the provocations coming from the US and Taiwan. The West is engaging in clear interference in China's domestic affairs, which is a direct violation of Article 2 of the UN Charter. The US propaganda and warmongering must stop, and the European Parliament must stop working for the US State Department. (laughs) 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Both Mick Wallace and Claire Daly over the course of their long careers have both been fiercely critical of what they view as the militaristic imperialism of the United States. And they wouldn't be alone in that view. Um, So in many respects, what they're saying isn't all that different from what they've been saying in the past. Do you think it's different today? So moving from the Irish domestic political scene into international politics has given them a big platform on international affairs issues. And I think this has brought to greater prominence, perhaps, positions which possibly they had already, uh, but now they carry a greater weight because of their position of members of the European Parliament. Um, So in domestic politics, the emphasis wouldn't necessarily be on the details of overseas conflicts. Um, It would be perhaps on different, more domestic issues. Um, But since becoming um, MEPs and being elected to the European Parliament, they've really carved out a niche for themselves um, in international affairs. Specifically, Um, they've made reputations for themselves on the back of their statements on Russia, China, Syria, and so on. Um, And, I mean, in the context of general views in the European Parliament, they are viewed as quite fringe figures because some of their speeches have really shocked people a few times, particularly things that they've said to do with Russia and Syria. Um, So it may all cohere with long-held views that they have, but um, the context in which they're saying them has changed. Um, And the title of member of the European Parliament gives them an authority internationally, as I've explained. And when they say things that are in line with the views of authoritarian states, the way that they're presented by those authoritarian states is speaking with the authority of the European Parliament. So it's not relevant that they're Irish politicians. They're shown as representatives of the EU. So I think, you know, US military interventions abroad are very, very widely seen as a mistake. Like that's not a minority or controversial view at all. It's, you know, the US policy in the Middle East and invasions have you know, really discredited US foreign policy and the Western world order almost in general, the Western security order. They're unpopular within the US apart from internationally. And it's part of why Biden is, um, you know, pulling troops out of the Middle East and promising not to send them again. And the, the this has been the trend since uh, for many years now. It's not particularly controversial. Um, I think what is seen as controversial, though, is that Wallace and Daly are perceived to, because of this opposition to Washington, which is fairly enough widely held, um, they then choose to use their authority and their speaking power, the access, the media presence and so on that they hold to then speak in support of positions that are held by any regime which is in conflict with Washington, sort of no matter the merits of that regime itself and how authoritarian it might be. Um, And that has brought them into a position of championing the views of the Syrian regime, the Russian regime, uh, Iran sometimes, and Beijing. 
You wrote that some of Wallace and Daly's political colleagues started having concerns that their views were becoming increasingly fringe in 2021. That was after they visited the PMF or the Hashad al-Shaabi in Iraq. Can you tell me who or what are the PMF? So what that is, is an umbrella group of militias, various different militias operating in Iraq, um, some of them backed by Iran. Uh, They were brought under this umbrella group and in 2016 they became de facto state actors because they were organised under the Prime Minister's office and they were granted sort of quasi-governmental status and salaries. Um, These militias have a very, very powerful role in Iraqi societies. They have checkpoints uh, which are really proliferating all across the country, uh, which civilians, citizens have to pass through all the time on a day-to-day basis, and they take their role, they perceive their role to be in policing social order. Um, And that can mean policing and enforcing their ideas of um, morality. Last month, Human Rights Watch issued a damning assessment of the PMF. What did it say? This was a report about the persecution of LGBT people in Iraq by militias. I should probably say people who are perceived to be LGBT. So you can imagine if you're a 16-year-old in Iraq and you're passing through one of these checkpoints and maybe you have an adventurous hairstyle or if you've got your nails painted or something like that, um, you might be singled out. It might just depend who's on duty at the checkpoint that day. But what's happening is they, the militias have an enormously... Uh, controlling role in society, huge power, they're armed. Um, and what um, the researcher of this report, whose name is Rasha Yunus, documented was 39 cases in which there is proof that people who identified themselves as members of the Popular Mobilization Forces, the PMF, uh, persecuted LGBT people. So the kind of proof and evidence that we're talking about is like, messages that were sent over WhatsApp saying, we are the PMF and we will kidnap you or we will kill you. So that kind of documentary evidence. These 39 cases are extremely harrowing uh, to detail, but it's things like a young transgender woman um, who was covered with gasoline and set on fire by people who identified themselves as PMF. Other people um, who were kidnapped, who were raped, tortured, you know, awfully with electricity. Many more cases of killings, disappearances, like it's it's extremely heavy stuff. Um, and it's because of the sort of the perception of what's policing social order means and the idea that this involves putting manners on people who are perceived as deviant. And what has Claire Daly said about the PMF? So she visited the headquarters of PMF, and she praised them as inclusive and egalitarian. I think in in the circumstances of Iraq now, what we have seen, the sacrifice and the, um, I suppose, egalitarian nature of Hash Shabi, the inclusiveness, um, I believe that it is definitely non-sectarian. There is a place for everybody. Uh, And that is uh, an approach that I like and believe that it should be inclusive. And yeah. Rasha Yunus, the researcher for the Human Rights Report, told me that at the time that Claire Daly and Mick Wallace visited the PMF headquarters, there was already substantial evidence that these militias were kidnapping and killing and beating up protesters against the government. And that this was very widely known. 
already. So I asked her the question, but she didn't have a response. Claire Daly, request for comment from the Irish Times, please. When you've spoken to Claire Daly and Mick Wallace, when you've sought a response from Claire Daly and Mick Wallace, what have they said to you? Yeah, I don't speak to Claire Daly and Mick Wallace because they don't answer my phone calls, emails, texts, WhatsApp, whatever. Um, They don't speak to me. So the nearest I've got to any response for them was um, to try and get an answer for this piece and all of this reporting. I just came to find them in the European Parliament after a vote. And I approached them and I said, you know, do you have a moment to take some questions from the Irish Times? But they just ignored me as though I wasn't there. Mick Wallace, a couple of questions for the Irish Times, please. Um, (laughs) Now, what happened to you after you challenged Mick Wallace in the Parliament? We heard the doorstep and we heard that he didn't really answer your questions, nor did Claire Daly. What happened after that? Yeah, so... Maybe it's useful for listeners to know that doorstepping someone, so turning up and asking questions, um, is pretty much standard operating procedure for journalists with politicians. It's a pretty normal um, thing to do. Um, In this case, it wouldn't be my first port of call. You know, firstly, uh, I would prefer if they answered emails, texts and calls and so on, but they don't. So I need some way to make sure that they have an opportunity to respond to what I'm reporting about and so that I can include their views in my article. Um, So I went down to the media area of the European Parliament where there's facilities set up for Um, you know, TV cameras to do interviews. And it's very common for MEPs to talk to journalists there. There's a public cafe where you can meet and so on. And I just waited for them to come out after a vote that I knew was going on. And when they appeared, I asked them my questions. Um, They didn't answer, they ignored me, and they went upstairs to their offices and I let them go up there. And that was it. And then about a week later, I got a call um, to say that they had called security and they'd made a report and that they had requested for me to be barred from European Parliament buildings and that this was now being investigated uh, because obviously journalists have to have permission to be in the European Parliament. You have to be accredited. Uh, you have to have an ID to actually access the buildings and you go through that process. Um, so, yeah, that's what they tried to do. Um, the latest information that I have is that as of now, I am still accredited to the European Parliament. Naomi O'Leary, as ever, thank you very much for talking to us. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the News will be back on Friday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 